Today's episode is brought to you by Pet Angel Adoption and Rescue. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Call of Leadership podcast, the podcast where we interview local leaders in our Michigan community to hear their stories, get their advice, so that we can be better leaders for ourselves, our families, and our community. I am your host, Cliff Duvinois, and today promises to be a fun conversation. Mark Twain once said, too much of anything is bad, but too much champagne is just right. And yes, ladies and gentlemen, today we are talking about bubbly. My guest is a partner and director at Mulvey Sparkling in beautiful Traverse City. And along with his brother, he is the co-founder of Big Little Wines. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome to the show, Mike Lang. Mike, how are you? Great, Cliff. Uh, happy to be here. Thanks for having me. No problem. And thanks for uh, carving time for us out of your busy schedule. We really do appreciate it. Uh, why don't you tell us a little bit about where you're from? Yeah, absolutely. So... My brother and I uh, were born and raised in Ann Arbor, Michigan. I was born in the, the late 70s. Um, I guess I'm sort of on the fringe fringes of Gen X there. We grew up in Ann Arbor. I uh, went to high school and then I left. Uh, I went to, to school, college in Ohio, Miami of Ohio, to study math education and got my degree and started teaching outside of Chicago in Barrington, Illinois for four years. Then I went overseas to Abu Dhabi for a couple of years to teach high school math. Then got sort of lured back to Northern Michigan. And by back, I mean, you know, I visited this area as a kid. My grandparents had a place in Frankfurt, Michigan. So my family visited, you know, during the summers. But I wanted to try something different. I've been teaching for a while and uh, wanted to take a stab at working in the vineyards, seeing what that was all about. And so I ventured ventured back, ventured back to Michigan and up north. I, just to take a quick step back here, so you got your you got your, why did you go in education in the first place? I kind of knew when I was I don't know seventeen or so that I I really enjoyed math first of all um but but kids kids even i mean more than math i mean i guess my brother is actually quite a bit better at math than me um but i i just i i like i like the classroom i i, I like the energy of younger people i think it it's it's really fun and uh their their, their sense of humor keeps things light it's it's a different a different day every day. I, I just had a kind of a call to be in the classroom uh, and, and teach people math. That's a little bit ironic because on an earlier podcast, I was talking to a school superintendent who also called being an education uh, a calling. She referred to that word. So it's interesting that uh, I hear a lot of teachers describe it as a calling. I mean, to dig a little bit deeper into that, I, I was not actually that great at math. And Dad sat down with me regularly and and basically kind of you know shepherded my skills and and taught me and I thought that was pretty powerful and um, I don't know that that whole that whole process sort of resonated with me and um, and and that's that's really why I decided to go into education I think I uh, I just had that great experience you know from from somebody I, I admired teaching me so. Okay. Now, 
you you were teaching outside of Chicago, and then you went over to the Middle East. Uh, what was precipitating an incident that made that happen? I think it was a breakup, actually. Whoa! Uh, I wanted. No, I'm kidding. I, <laughs> sort of kidding, sort of not. Uh, but you know, I I was young, been living in Chicago for a while. You know, my friends for the most part had significant others. I didn't. Um, I was sort of burned out on on Chicago. Didn't have any attachment really to to any particular place, frankly. So I went to a job fair, which is kind of how overseas teaching works. That's kind of how you 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 interview um, at these huge job fairs, where you know various schools from across the the world come to one place, and you you interview with multiple schools uh, over the course of a weekend and. I never thought I'd end up where I ended up, but I was open to going almost anywhere. So I, I'm really happy that, about that whole experience. I mean, I, I reflect back on that all the time. The people I met, the places I traveled, I'm really glad I took advantage of that opportunity. It, it helped shape me into who I am. Now, in the Middle East, did you happen to pick up any Arabic or Farsi while you were there? Shwe uh, shwe. I mean, very minimal. <laughs> <laughs> Very minimal. That's a that's a that's a hard language to learn. Complete opposite of you know Latin based languages. So you're teaching overseas uh, uh, for a certain length of time. What brought what brought you back to the states? I, I was a little homesick, frankly. I taught over there for two years, and I was a little homesick. I, I also I, I just kind of wanted to try something different, something other than teaching. I thought that it would be easy to go back into teaching if I took a break and didn't like whatever new newness awaited me. Because, well, with overseas teaching and, and math specifically, there, there are a lot of opportunities, or there were. Um, so I wasn't worried about, about finding a job in education if something didn't work out. But at the same time, my parents had an opportunity you know, in a beautiful place, northern Michigan. They were growing grapes at that time. And I don't know, it just seemed like a good opportunity to to try something different. You're coming back to Michigan and you start getting into the wine business. And what, what kind of drew you to that? Well, my folks did. They, they uh, so in the early 2000s, they purchased some property in Leelanau County, Lake Leelanau specifically. And in the mid 2000s, like 2005, they started selling their fruit to Larry Mobby, where I am today, you know, Mobby right. Winery. The opportunity to work with my dad on the farm was there. And I had, I, I did that in the summers because as an educator, I had summers off. So when I taught in Chicago, I would come back north and work with my dad and mom in the vineyard in the summers. I sort of missed that. I, I still, I still did that when I lived in the Middle East as well, because I had summers off there too. So I would come home, but I guess they, they pulled me back with, with that opportunity. I was about, I think I was 28 when I moved back here. Now with regards to Moby wines, they seem to specialize in sparkling wines. Why did they decide to just do that? There's a lot of reasons for that. So Larry Moby, grew up in well in this area but i mean he was born in in the rockford area by grand rapids 
born into a farming family, specifically apples and cherries. And he moved up here, I don't know specifically when, but when he was a boy and, you know, worked, worked, I mean, he's, geez, he's been in in charge of orchard crews, you know, uh, since he was probably 12 years old. But then he broke away from the family in his late 20s, but actually he still worked for the family farm to sort of help him get started with the whole vineyard operation, planted some vines in 73 made some started making wines in the late 70s and and uh, then experimented with sparkling wine in the mid 80s and then by the mid 90s he decided look i mean he he said he said to himself this is really i believe the best style for the area as far as the varieties we can grow the weather conditions we have so i'm going to focus on sparkling wine and build and be the best at that that i can be and that was the branding decision that still sticks with us today and is really how we're known to the greater wine consumer, wine consuming and wine making community to dig into why, like I said, there's a short growing season here. We don't have a lot of heat. We can't ripen the fruit for quality table wine year in and year out. I mean, last year was a good example of that fruit really didn't move much past 20 bricks and that's not great for table wine but it is fine for sparkling wine so we pick earlier because we want less sugar and higher acidity the reason we want less sugar is because when we ferment our primary fermentation we want low alcohol because ultimately we're going to re-ferment and yeast that we pitch for sparkling the second time when we pitch yeast for the second fermentation if there's too high alcohol in the base wine they'll die they'll create an environment that's too toxic for themselves and die so we want low alcohol high acidity we also another reason that that we focus on sparkling is we have access to some labor that's otherwise tied up later in the season for for table wine so you know we have a, a a a bigger a bigger pool of labor to draw from when we need to pick because uh, everything's hand picked for sparkling wine. In the past, we've I mean these are some other minor reasons, but not to be ignored. We've sort of picked before migratory bird patterns that you know come through later in the fall. The juvenile starlings tend to flock a little bit after we pick for sparkling which is cool because they can devastate a crop in a short amount of time. Are you, t- are you talking about like, like eating the grapes? Yeah, they'll eat the grapes, especially, oh especially, especially the red grapes. Cause they can see those a lot better from the sky. Uh, they, they can do a lot of damage in a short amount of time. Um, if Whoa. you've ever, if you've ever seen huge flocks of starlings, they, they, they make me cringe a bit, but uh, to, to the normal person, <laughs> I'm sure it's, it's a beautiful sight, but <laughs> uh, so anyway, those are a variety of reasons why the decision was made. Since we don't need high sugar, we can crop heavier, which is is really nice because we have vines that can't crop very heavy anyway because of our growing conditions. So these are these are these are some of the major reasons that 
Larry Mauby decided to focus on sparkling. And I guess maybe the biggest one is that we can grow Pinot Noir and Chardonnay, which are classic uh, champagne varieties, and they, they do well here. And I will admit I am a total sucker for Pinot Noir. Yeah, it's a it's kind of a pain in the ass to grow. <laughs> well, it's a major pain in the ass to grow, let's be honest. But it's uh it's 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 great. It's a great variety. Some of the world's finest wines, you know, from Champagne, Burgundy are made from that variety. So So let me go back to something here because you made a comment before and it's a term that I've never heard of before when you said that you don't make it past twenty bricks. What is a brick? One brick is well, brick is how we measure sugar in in grape must so in grape juice and i believe apples are measured using that scale as well probably other fruits so we're watching bricks readings we we measure bricks with a refractometer so we take a a little bit of juice put that on a refractometer hold it to a, the light and the basically that refractometer tells us about how many bricks they, uh, of sugar are in the grape sample and one brick is about 10 grams per liter of sugar so 20 bricks is about 200 grams of sugar per liter of liquid which is a lot that's a lot of sugar in a small package which is one reason why grapes are really nice for wine production they pack a lot of sugar you know per volume Uh, the other reason is they have a lot of a nice blend of of acids that a lot of other fruits don't have but anyway that that's what bricks are Um, okay yeah one degree bricks is about 10 grams per liter of sugar today's episode is brought to you by pet angel adoption and rescue cats bring all kinds of joy to your life they make great companions while you read the newspaper or binge watch your favorite television show If you're thinking about adopting one, then check out Pet Angel Adoption and Rescue. Based in Frankenmuth, Pet Angel Adoption and Rescue is a 501c3 nonprofit no-kill cat shelter. Over the last 16 years, they found loving homes for hundreds of homeless kitties. Each cat is fixed, vaccinated, and microchipped before going to their forever home. While waiting for you to adopt one, Pet Angel Adoption and Rescue has a superb all volunteer staff that loves and cares for each and every cat. To learn how you can support or even better, adopt one of these cute kitties, visit their website at petangeladoption.com. Once again, that's petangeladoption.com. Their link is in the show notes below. And now back to the show. And you were talking about the the grapes that you use when you're making the sparkling wine has to go through two fermentation processes and it's during the second fermentation process that we actually that's when we actually see the little bubbles appear right yeah so we don't carbonate uh, any of our bottled products and that's a big point of difference because a lot of bubbly on the market is carbonated but we believe a better bubble develops from a second fermentation in a closed vessel. Now, we do that a couple different ways. We re-ferment either in a pressure tank, so we have wine that we've fermented once. Well, we build up a yeast starter, add sugar, and put that wine in a pressure tank and seal it up. And the fermentation, a couple byproducts are alcohol, heat, 
and CO2. So the CO2 is not going anywhere. It's trapped in the tank. It dissolves into solution. Or we referment the classic way in, in the bottle itself, uh, which actually we're doing today at our production facility. So I had to adjust our schedule uh, given the current climate uh, health-wise. Um, this, is, this is being recorded during the during coronavirus, the, during the coronavirus uh, pandemic. So anyway, we've adjusted our seller schedule. And uh, we're tirage bottling today. That's what we call it when we put the wine in the bottle to re-ferment. And then it ages in the bottle on the yeast for uh, one to seven years, depending on the product. So, Speaking of product, my fiance and I, we always make it a point to stop by uh, Moby when we're in Traverse City. And it always cracks me up because the, you know, the name of some of the bottles that you have in there is, you know, one of them. Your your sweeter sparkling wine is called Detroit. There's another one in there that everybody clamors for, and that one's called Sex. Right. I happen to be a big fan of the one that's called Us. Tell us, tell us a little bit about how these how these names come around. How do, how do you guys, you know, sit down and and you know drink a drink some sparkling wine and say to yourself, Ah, I think we'll call this Sex. <laughs> well, I don't tell that story as well as Larry does, um, <laughs> but but let me just give you the overall gist of, of what our, our brand sort of represents. And that I guess is reflected in the naming of the wines. We, we, we take what's in the bottle extremely seriously, but we want, we also recognize that people want to have fun um, and sparkling wine is fun. And so our, our, our name, the names of our wines are meant to reflect our personality, the wine's personality, the fact that, you know, we, we don't really want to take life too seriously, but the contents of, you know, of the bottle are where we focus our energy on. And, uh, the color, the, there's, the packaging is colorful. It's youthful. It's fresh. It's, it's exciting. We want people to, to hang out with us. We want to draw them in. And yeah, we want people to celebrate each day with, with Mobby. And uh, to us, that means making, making wines fun and accessible. You know, that's actually a good point because the, the, the one thing is I, I'm, I'm already big into wines and I, there's a lot of white wines I like, a lot of red wines I like, a lot of bubbly that I like. What would be your advice about someone who is thinking to themselves, you know, I would like to... I would like to get into it. What would be like your advice to help them just like to get started? Cause you know, and even today we're at the grocery store and there's, you know, literally hundreds of different bottles on a shelf and it can be completely overwhelming. So what would be, what would be your advice to get somebody started? A lot of wine shops now have free tastings, either that's during the week on Fridays or Saturdays, you know, pop in, see what bottles are open, see what they're tasting, talk to them, try and pick their brain. If you find a group of people, maybe through that wine shop or through online forums that like wine, getting together with groups of people and trying wines is is probably re- the best way because everybody brings a bottle. There's 15 people. You're trying 15 wines. You can try them blind, see see what see what the price point does to the psyche, or because you know you're trying them blind, you know you might like a ten dollar bottle. Uh, as opposed to a $25 bottle, uh, visit, visit wine regions. If it comes to that point where the excitement is spurred, uh, visit wine regions, talk to people that are in the business that are passionate about what they do. Um, there are a lot of 
wine regions now that are adjacent to almost everybody's community, frankly. Go talk to the people that live and breathe wine and and see 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 what it what excites them and what they're doing. I don't know, those are some suggestions I have, I guess, to to explore for folks. Um, maybe there's a lot of wine clubs online for relatively affordable costs. That's another great, great way to try a, a wide range of, of different wines to see what you like. Now, Moby has a, a group, right? The Bubbleheads. The Bubbleheads are uh, Fizz Club members. Yeah, absolutely. That's a huge group of ambassadors. Th- those are the people that a lot of them have been with us since the beginning. Some are, so, uh, so I, that, that group continues to grow. So obviously there are newcomers that are drawn by either the experience they've had or, or bubbly that they've tried from us, uh, that they've purchased away from the taste room. But it, yeah, those, that, that group of people is critical to, to Mobby, to our story, to how we grow. And yeah, those people tell our friends, those people buy our wines in restaurants, wine shops. And so we, uh, we don't take their support lightly. Uh, we've got a separate room dedicated to them in our tasting room. Uh, we've got a, a, the Fizz Hall. So if you're a wine club member, you visit us. We have uh, your own private room, and there are other perks on property as well as off property for those members. So I think I'm going to have to get on that list because, like I said, every every time my fiance and I are in Traverse City, we are always at Moby, and we always walk out the door with you know anywhere between four to six bottles. So I think that's definitely something we're going to have to check out. Yeah, well, we appreciate that, Cliff. Thank you very much. And uh, <laughs> absolutely, I mean, so here's, I mean, the thing about the wine club is those folks have access to small limited release wines that they have access to those products first so we release we release limited limited available wines and new release wines to those people first so yeah that's a group good group to be a part of like i said you know when you visit there are other perks there are other perks on shipping discounts it's it, it, you know there's no fee to join uh, we're basically asking for folks to commit to a minimum of a case a year. That's two shipments, one in April, one in September, six bottles each, totally customizable. If you don't like, if you know you don't like a wine that we've uh, suggested, you can swap it out. You can add big little wines, which I think we'll talk about in a few minutes, but uh, we oh, can, yeah. you can add big little wines, which are mostly non-sparkling wines to your order. So there's a lot of perks. Yeah. And the reason why I say that is, so my fiance, we have this tradition where every Saturday night we have what's called champagne Saturday and we crack open a bottle of bubbly every Saturday night. We get cheese, we get meats, we get crackers and we just celebrate the week. And and you mentioned something uh, before uh, during the interview about helping people to, to be able to celebrate. And a lot of times found that people will only like crack open a bottle of bubbly when there's some big important event. My whole philosophy is, man, every day is a big event. If you're still alive, that's reason to celebrate. So we, we make it a point every Saturday night to crack open bubbly. So that's why when we're in Traverse City, we always stock up. That's awesome. Um, that's a good philosophy. And uh, I certainly can't argue with it. And, uh, <laughs> and But also, I, I guess I would say that, you know, with, with, with the I mean, sparkling wine is a growing category amidst uh, a greater wine market that 
did actually lose some traction last year nationally, but sparkling wine is, is being, uh, looked at as a, as a food friendly option. I mean, they're lower alcohol wines, they're fun and they're, they're not just for, for special occasions. And I think people are, are using them, uh, as such. And, and that's great. We like that. You and your brother actually founded Big Little Wines. What what was the what was the driving decision behind that? So I started at Mobby in two thousand and seven. Just finished my thirteenth harvest here, and in two thousand nine, my brother had not yet moved back here, but I did purchase some fruit from an old Mission vineyard, old Mission Peninsula vineyard, and made some wine. It wasn't outstanding. So I waited until 2010 and my brother and I picked and processed some more fruit and sort of blended that with the 2009 fruit and started big little wines. Started with uh, one sparkling wine and one non-sparkling wine. We started with a Pinot Gris called Crayfish and then a non-sparkling wine called Tire Swing and sort of started adding products uh, every year after that. So what? why did we start? Well, I I guess we just sort of wanted to put our own stamp on on Leelanau Peninsula winemaking. We wanted to make some wines that others weren't making stylistically, you know, using varieties that that others uh, using varieties to blend that others uh, other people in the area weren't necessarily blending. And I can get into those in a minute if you want. But uh, we 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 basically started Big Little Wines to tell people our story, put our own stamp on on Michigan winemaking. And I know that you talk about the world of wine, and I mentioned this before when, you know, you go into a store or something and there's just, there's just bottles of wine that all over the place. What, what, what do you guys focus on or what do you strive to do to make uh, big little wines stand out in this sea of competing vineyards? That's a good question. Both for Mobby and for Big Little, we put a lot of time and energy into the label design and the story. All of the big little wines are named after childhood memories that my brother and I share, some of which relate to Ann Arbor, some of which relate to the Frankfurt area, all of which relate to us growing up together. From that perspective, it's really easy for us to talk about those wine names. So for example, Underdog, Treehouse, Tire swing, recess. These are things that resonate with pretty much anybody and their childhood, frankly. And so they're common memories that that people can get together around over over wine and sure and just reflect on, I guess. Uh, and so there's some consistency to our label design. Um, we've got you know paint swash and illustrations. Uh, I don't know. They're just the labels are fun. They're nostalgic. They're, they're who we are. So the conversation starters. Yeah. C3 Pino. We've got, we've got that <laughs> wine. Uh, we're star Wars fans. We also, I mean, we own the trademark on that. Actually. We, oh, that's too funny. We, yeah. We got that from Sean Combs, actually puff daddy owned C3. He owned that trademark and he let it lapse and we, we nabbed it. And so we own that now. And, uh, <laughs> Yeah, anyway, that's a, that's one of our sparkling wines. You were in education. You have gotten into wine. 
and you're still there. What is it that what is it that keeps you in the wine industry? So so first of all, I mean, what winemaking is uh, it's a job. There are ups and downs, right? It's not all sampling wine in the vineyard with the sun hitting you, and it's not a photo shoot every day. But I just want to I want to make your listeners <laughs> give them some you know give them some sort of sense of this. But what it is for me now is it's it's a it's a family endeavor. It's an endeavor that supports other families, right? Our employees are raising their families in this area with the support of Mobby. They're a part of our. They're part of our family. Um, they're they're really obviously vital to what we do. I guess I'm reflecting that on that specifically now in this difficult time. But I love working with them. Working with my brother, my my dad, my mom. Uh, Larry's awesome. All the employees here are really what keep me delighted to come to work today. But I will also say that it's really cool to plant a vine, nurture a vine, prune a vine, watch it grow, harvest its fruit, and make something from that and bottle it and watch other people enjoy. I mean, that that in a nutshell is why those two things are kind of why I do what I do. And and what I love about it. I'll tell you, one of my fantasies has always been to go to uh, like a vineyard for a week or two during harvest and just participate, you know, just be, just be a part of that. Cause I'm, I'm very, I, I love wine. I really do. Whether it's sparkling or not, I, I love it all. And that's always been one of my, one of my fantasies in the back of my head, kind of like those dude ranches that they have yeah. only for vineyards. That, that that will give you a new perspective for sure and will likely make you enjoy wine even more. I didn't know that was possible, but hey, I'm a I'm a big believer, so there you go. <laughs> yeah, you should you should do that. There yeah. are there are opportunities to do that up here. I mean, if you if you if you find a vineyard that you're you know, you develop a relationship with somebody like like us or somebody else and uh, you want to you want to come work a harvest, we can we could potentially make that happen. Make we You're can, tempting me. Yeah. <laughs> oh, it never hurts to ask, Cliff. Oh, hey, you know what? Uh, you're right. It never hurts to ask. Yeah. That's right. <laughs> I do have one question because we were talking about names before that kind of represent uh, your journey. How did you and your brother come up with the name Big Little Wines? It took us a long time. We... I don't know. We bounced ideas off each other every night. It seemed like uh, via text message or we generate lists, brainstorm lists and get together, throw that list away, come back another week, the different lists. And then one night I, I was just thinking, you know, big brother, little brother, we're that's basically what that's who we are. Most people have siblings. They can relate to that story. Big, little was born took us a long time to to come up with that uh but i think we ended in the right place i think you do too because the more i've you know when i've when i told people that i was going to be interviewing you for the podcast big little is something that everybody seems to really resonate with quickly yeah and we were asking larry mobby who you know i've learned a lot of what i know from marketing from him and just watching and listening to what he's done with Mavi over the years. And we were bouncing all these ideas off him and he was, he said, that's it. Like, that's the, that's it. You guys found the name. Like he knew, he knew immediately. So yes, uh, that was, you know, reassuring. 
Now, has uh, has Moby been a huge influence on you with regards to what it is that you guys do? For sure. I mean, Larry Moby taught me how to make sparkling wine. You know, table wines are something that we've sort of been learning over the years, continue to, to learn more about. But yeah, absolutely. Moby, Larry Moby is my mentor and you know he's somebody that pretty much the whole northern Michigan wine industry looks up to, frankly. And, uh, he's helped out a lot of people get started in the business. He kind of is Michigan wine, really, in a lot of ways, but certainly a role model for me and my, my brother as well. Wow. I, I, I always get bummed during this part of the interview because we're, we're nearing the end. If, if people want to if people want to connect with you online, what's the best way for them to, to find you or, or to check out what it is that you're doing? Yeah, so Moby is at M-I-Bubbly on Instagram. And our website is mobby.wine and big little, big little wines.com and big little wines on, uh, on Instagram and Facebook. So we're, we're out there. We're, um, I would say that big little is a little less fresh on, on the, on the social, uh, Mobby's Mobby's dated a little more regularly, but, but anyway, um, we're, we're both, we're both doing cool stuff. Our wines are our our passion, and uh, check us out. And I really do appreciate you taking time out of your out of your schedule to talk to us today. Oh, it was a pleasure. Thanks for having me, Cliff. Hey everyone, before you go, if you want to get these episodes delivered straight to your inbox, then come over to callofleadership.com and sign up for our free email newsletter that includes all kinds of goodies. I'll catch you in the next episode.